Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. I'm joined this week by a very special guest, East Coast pool player Jared Clowery. Jared, how are you doing today? Great, Mike. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm probably doing a lot better than uh, you folks out on the East Coast right now. <laughs> yeah, the weather's not too great up here right now. It's one of the few times a year that I'm happy to live in Arizona weather-wise. <laughs> well, Jared, you're a you're a busy man. Um, most people who follow uh, pool on the East Coast should be familiar with you. I know you've played on the East Coast for many years. Yep. But unfortunately, it was something else that brought you into the news. Um, for the people who are listening who aren't familiar with what happened, can you tell us tell us what happened a year ago? Uh, yeah, a year ago, April 15th, um, I was actually laid off for most of the winter. I was a carpenter, and uh, I had been staying on a friend's couch, and, and April 15th, uh, the Boston Marathon, which... You know, if you've ever been on the East Coast, the Boston Marathon is pretty big. Um, and a friend of mine that I was staying with, that I was sleeping on his couch, he's, you know, he said, well, it's beautiful out. We're going to the marathon. A friend of ours was running in it and uh, invited me to go to the marathon. Um, and I really remember the day clear, you know, really good um, before the bombing because uh, it was the first day that was like really a spring day, you know. It had been like crappy weather and stuff leading up to that, but um, you know we went down there and there was there was six of us in total, uh, all from Stoneham, the town I grew up in, and uh, we were standing in front of the Forum restaurant deciding what to do, waiting for our friend to come running by, and and we heard the first explosion, and um, <clears throat> right away, right away I knew. You know, we were all crammed in on the sidewalk. There's a hundred thousand people or more down there watching it, and that explosion, the first one, I knew it was it was a bomb. I just instinctively, and I said, "All right, everybody, get into the street." You know, to me and my group of friends, and and um, you know, logically, it was the only open area. So I ran to the gate and I I put my hands on the on the barrier and I threw my feet up. And when I did that, I balanced just for a second to tell my friend's girlfriend, who two of my friends were helping her get into the street. And I said, Jackie, get into the street, and boom, the second explosion uh, detonated three feet behind me. Um, You know, me and Jackie, we received, uh, you know, massive injuries. Her leg got blown apart. I got filled with shrapnel from my butt to my ankles. Uh, My left and right hand was damaged pretty good. Uh, I lost hearing completely in my left ear. Um, But three of my friends that were with us, uh, didn't get over the barrier, and they all three of them lost a right leg, um, you know, literally feet from me. And uh, the young boy that died was right there, and it, it was pretty gruesome. I mean, I got up, and uh, I, I could walk, and I could feel my toes and my fingers. I remember, you know, hearing that at some point in life, you know, to check your fingers and toes, make sure everything's working, and... Uh, you know, I turned around and I looked back for my friends and I just thought they were all dead, Mike. Uh, there was no way anybody could survive that. In my mind, it was very traumatic. All the sound, the gunpowder, the smoke, just like the movies, just like Saving Private Ryan. Um, and then, you know, I got <clears throat> I got some off-duty police officers got to me. I was standing in the middle of the road, and 
just kind of saying, all oh, my friends are dead and what's going on. And they sat me down unknowingly that the majority of my injuries were on my butt, you know, from my butt down. So they sat me down and then that's when the pain kicked in and boy, boy, oh boy, was it pain. Um, I stopped breathing a couple times, but they got me into surgery and they got me into surgery and, and I came out of surgery and the doctor told me, you know, they got, they can't disclose too much information about other patients. But all I was saying was, you know, my friends, my friends. And, you know, the doctor says, Jared, all, all your friends are alive. And I said, no way. There's no way because they didn't, they weren't there. They didn't see what I seen. So I thought they were breaking it to me easy, you know, like trying to ease me into it by telling me they were all alive. Cause that's all I was asking about was my friend. And, uh, you know, it was like a day like that. And then finally my sister came in and my friends, the two brothers that lost their right leg, their mother came in and she told me, you know, they're alive, you know, but they both lost a leg. And, uh, as bad as it was, it actually kind of started lifting my spirits a little bit because, you know, all my friends survived, like, and, uh, you know, I wasn't even sure if I could walk. I was all wrapped up and stuff, and they didn't give me a diagnosis on, like, what was going on with me. So it was it was just a whirlwind. And um, <clears throat> I was engaging in some self-destructive behavior. I was, every time they left me alone, I was, like, really, you know, I didn't know what was going on, Mike. It was, uh, you know, they were chasing, the outside world, they were chasing this kid down. The whole city's on lockdown. Who knows if there's going to be more attacks and stuff like that, and, so what I was doing was I was peeling my bandages off and I was picking at the jeans that were burnt into me and the gunpowder and there was pellets and nails in my legs. And they did kind of an intervention. I did that a few times and I was bleeding, you know, real bad. And they said, you got to find a better way because we're going to have to put you on 24 hour surveillance. So what happened was... <clears throat> They had been hanging letters from all over the world, all over the Massachusetts and, and the country and, and some from all over the world was letters from kids, letters of support. And, and, and it was so, you know, kids are raw. I mean, if you have kids or you know kids, like they said how it is, it's, you know, and uh, some of the letters were just so funny and, and it just started bringing my mood up. And then everybody, my nurses, doctors, friends, family, that would come into my room, I would start, hey, read this letter, read that letter. And that was really the beginning of my point of view change and and really starting to see the good in this horrible, horrible situation was from the letters of these kids. And, um, you know, that 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 kind of spawned the idea for uh, for a foundation that I've, I've started up uh, to help kids and to recognize real heroes. Because to be honest with you, Mike, there was a lot of people down there that went above and beyond the call of duty. Um, you know, three people lost their lives, um, but there was over 20 amputees, and th they saved all of them. My friend JP had one pint of blood left when they got him to the hospital, and they saved him. So, I mean, some really great things happened. Amazing things happened. You know, they had the first person in surgery 21 minutes after the bombing. This is, you know, so all those people down there, you know, one guy, 
you know, he grabbed the guy's artery. He seen the artery, and he and this guy, he wasn't a first, he wasn't a medical, a first responder, or anything. He was just a civilian, and he grabbed my friend's artery and held it shut. Um, I'd like to think I, I would do that in that situation, but I'm not sure I could or would or even have the fortitude to do it. So there's some amazing people that need recognition um, in all situations like this. There's real heroes day-to-day life that never get any recognition. So I got to meet a lot of famous people. Um, they were coming in. I got a lot of gifts. I got a lot of support, a lot of love. And, and, and I really wanted to... I, I want the kids of this country and this world to get some of that, and I, and I want some real heroes to get recognition, and even in some cases, might get some help. You know, psychologically, I only seen it for ten seconds. I looked into the bloody mess for about ten seconds, and and I turned away, and they sat me down. And there was guys down there that stayed till the last person was in the ambulance, and they just went home and washed the blood off. Now that's that's a pretty lasting memory that those people have so you know yeah definitely now (laughs) when you talk about the time that you spent in the hospital how long were you in the hospital after this happened Uh, i was in hospital for about a month i I believe 25 days i was in uh brigham women's uh icu for 15 or 16 days and then the spalding rehabilitation center for 10 days or so and I imagine the rehab is still ongoing. Um, I just had a surgery on my ear. They had to put a skin graft over the canal, you know, to close it up so for infections and stuff. Um, I've had four surgeries. They got most of the metal out. I, I still carry around uh, some pellets and a few nails. Um, and there's a big spring in there that's like fused to the back of my knee. But I'm walking pretty good and and physically I'm good. I mean, my hands are good. I'm so blessed. They, the, the technology they have is unbelievable. They were going to do a pigskin graph and they managed to not have to do it, which I'm very happy about. And I can play, you know, my life is cool. And, and that just makes me think about another survivor. There was a dancer involved. She lost her leg. And as a pool player, I mean, I know how devastated I would be if I lost my hand. Um, so, you know, as a dancer, that's it's almost like along the lines of pool. To chase a dream like dancing or playing pool, that takes a lot of courage because it's not it's not something that's it's almost frowned upon. Like, oh, you're going to be a dancer, a Broadway dancer, or you're going to be a pool player. Like, every pool player can relate to that. Nobody thinks it's a good choice for life. Right. So, you know, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of balls, if you don't mind me saying, to do that. So... Being in the rehab with her, you know, I had a good breakdown because, you know, she had the courage to chase her dreams, and 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 just by being in the wrong place at the wrong time, she lost, you know, she lost her leg. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's pretty bad. But I feel very fortunate, and I've been playing. I've actually been playing. Uh, you guys all know where I'm from, so uh, he's been warming me up. We play cheap sets. I've been playing with Mike Deshane, uh, Nelson Oliveri, and. Uh, Tom Delfonso, all the guys from Rhode Island, they're, they're guys I've played with for years and years, so they've been getting me back in stroke. Yeah, none of those guys are easy to play. No, no, not easy at all. I think uh, I've probably played all of them 20 sets. I think I've won three. <laughs> but you got to remember, I, I haven't played in eight years, so I'm having little flashes, Mike. I'm, I'm, it's really looking up. Well, Jared, I don't want to keep you – know, I don't want to uh... – 
get everybody down talking about everything that happened and not have the opportunity to, to show them an upside to this whole thing. So we're going to take a real short break, and then when we come back, I want you to tell us about the uh, foundation that you've started and the events you've got coming up next week. Absolutely, Mike. There's plenty of upside. It's even better than the downside. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Jared Clowery today. Uh, Jared, that that definitely sounds like a a scary situation, but you you told us before the break that there's an upside to it all. So, can you tell us a little bit about the foundation that you've started? Absolutely. Um, I just want everybody to know too, with the media and stuff like that. I mean, it, this whole thing got spawned the foundation idea and stuff because. The bomb is despicable as it was. I mean, it's a bomb takes one second. Boom. And it's the worst that humans can do. But it's followed by the best that humans can do. From the first responders to the hospital to my friends, my family, to all the good things that have happened. And my foundation is, is one of those. Um, what we're doing is... You know, when the, when, when famous, you know, Michelle Obama come and visit me and, uh, you know, when she did, I invited everybody in the ICU come in and meet Michelle Obama and they couldn't believe I'd do that for them. And I even thought in my head, I said, geez, if I had a live stream camera here, uh, anybody who wanted to meet Michelle Obama could see it because I felt like everybody that was supporting me should get all the kids should get to see it. So I started scouring foundations and what they do and how they help kids and, we decided to go with anti-bullying. It's always in the news, and everybody's pretty much got an experience with it. Um, so what we're going to try to do is use technology to bridge it. And if we can get some famous people, some athletes, even myself, share my story with a group of kids at a school, uh, maybe get some pool players to do some trick shots for a kid, you know, for kids at school or the Boys and Girls Club or anything like this, and we talk about anti-bullying, give the kids the knowledge that, listen, real tough guys, UFC fighters, police officers, they don't bully. Real successful people in life, they don't bully. And instead of talking to, for instance, I just talked to a school of 900 kids, we can spread the word when it's happening. And instead of 900 kids, we can utilize things like Skype or things like uh, live stream, and we can reach 100,000 kids can hear what, uh, an Eli Manning has to say, or a Tom Brady has to say. So uh, that's basic, you know, the basic um, idea of my foundation. And then we want to be innovative, uh, innovative. You know, we have a book. It's uh, easy read. It's for kids. Um, it's called Tuesday Will Come. It's going to be an e-book. And instead of, you know, I go to schools and talk and they say, well, how can we donate to your charity and this and that? And it's always about money, money, money. And that's what makes the world go round. Well, buy the book. It's a $10 book, and 100% of the proceeds goes to the foundation. And that way, if we go to a school, you know, instead of them just giving us money, they can buy the book, and we can give them 100 copies of the book for 1000 bucks, and it helps the foundation, and it gives the school something. So the other aspect of the foundation where we would spend some of that money would be recognizing real heroes, Mike. You have people that go 
above and beyond in situations like this. Um, and, and in all situations, you hear stories all the time. I mean, just yesterday in Boston, two firefighters died. Uh, the wind was so bad, there was a fire. They're in there trying to save people, and, and two of them died. And one of them's a father of three, um, the oldest being eight years old. So in the future, Heroes Hearts Foundation would like to be able to give that family some relief. I mean, obviously, nothing makes up for losing a family member, but their father was a hero, and the Heroes Hearts would like to recognize that, give them some financial relief, um, and do whatever we can. So if we can spread knowledge about bullying, help some kids, give them a different point of view, you know, shed light on that subject, and then... You know, find these real heroes. They're everywhere. I mean, you can you can go online right now, and there's always somebody. How about a mother of three that's a single mom that goes to school, works a job, um, and then when something bad happens, she still, her and her kids do some stuff for the community. There's people like that everywhere, and they get no recognition. And in a lot of cases, they don't get any help. So I'd like to do that with my foundation. And we're close. The launch is going to be April 1st, Tuesday night, at Jillian's in Boston. We're, we're linking pool with it. We're going to have uh, professional pool players there, some trick shots. There's going to be a tournament. There's going to be some good prizes for the tournament. Um, there's going to be some local, national media there. Uh, we actually have some, and I feel really embarrassed not knowing, but we have some hosts for the event. They're from MTV, and I forget their names, but... Uh, There'll be some famous people there, too, uh, to help me kick off this foundation. It's April 1st at Jillian's, 6 p.m. till closing. So hopefully moving forward, um, I can also link the foundation with pool because I think I think a lot of these pool players got a lot to give, and they've, they've really worked their craft and honed their craft, and they, you know, we all know how hard it is to play at that high level. Um, and I think if they gave back a little bit, I think not only would it help the game, I think it would help a lot of these guys. They get to feel great about, you know, being a professional pool player. And, uh, you know, let's be honest. And I, I, a lot of your listeners are going to agree. You know, I've met a lot of kids. I've spoke to a lot of kids. These young kids, a lot of them don't know professional athletes. They just don't know them. And although they appreciate the gifts that the sports teams give and stuff, you know, if you go to a boys and girls club and we have Diamond deliver a seven-footer or even an eight-footer and you have, you know, some of these top pros go down there and put on a trick shot show and then, you know, talk to the kids about, you know, focus and this and that. Not You don't have to turn them into pool players, but just talk to them about how they achieved their high level and then maybe leave the pool table and a couple of cue sticks. And because it's for charity, 501c3 organization like Heroes Hearts, you know, we're going to be able to uh, – we're going to be able to get some local media, some national media, some real attention, say, whoa, look what these pool players are doing. And uh, the guys are going to feel great about it, and I think we can get some help for the sport. So I don't forget where I come from, Mike. And uh, if I can't bring pool along with everything I do in life, then then I'm not really interested in doing it because pool, I've been in the pool hall since I was 12 years old, and pool has a bad rap. And pool, pool in my case, has really saved my life, and taught me how to focus, concentrate, be respectful. Um, it's taught me a lot of good things. Well, it all sounds really good. Um, the event at Jillian's, have you gotten confirmation from any of the players that are going to be there? 
Oh, I mean, you know, pool players, we have a pre-registration. <laughs> we, we have a lot of people that are pre-registered online, but, <clears throat> you know, there's also a ton of pool players that are like, can I register there? And, you know, I got Ray McNamara, who a lot of pool players know. He uh, He's the manager at Snookers, longtime open player, very good. He's running the tournament. So he told me, he said, Jared, we're going to have a ton of people signing up there. So, you know, we're probably... We're open. We have 25 teams. It's Partners Eight Ball. We're open. We have 25 to 30 teams. But Ray said, you know, the high end it might it might end up with like 50 or 60 teams, because we invited all the first responders, all the marathon survivors, um, all the people from the hospitals. I mean, we we got the whole second floor of Jillian's, 24 pool tables, three bowling alleys. So who knows how it's going to be? I mean, I'm a little nervous. I'm like a 16 year old girl. I don't want to be at this. I don't want to have nobody show up to my sweet 16 party. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just uh, I'm a little nervous, but everybody tells me it's going to be a success. We've had it out on the media, the local, the local uh, Fox 25 and Channel 5, and some newspapers and stuff. So, I hope it's a a good kickoff party to the foundation, and then I hope moving forward we can. Uh, we can do damage on all the fronts we discussed today. And for listeners who want more information or who want to help support what you're doing, where can they get more information? Um, HeroesHearts.org, all one word, HeroesHearts.org is the website. There's information about the launch, but then that'll be down. The website, everybody bear with us. We're in our infancy, but there's an email on there. If you email that, it'll come directly to me. So you can contact me directly through that. And then I'm I'm open to I accept all friends on Facebook. There's a marathon page for me, and then my regular Facebook. And people can feel free, but bear with me. I don't always reply and stuff. But you know, you can you can email me and call me um, anytime, and I'll do my best to get back to you or give you the answers you need. But HeroesHearts.org is the best way. Fantastic. And uh, I know how busy you are. I've been trying to, to set up a time to, to get together with you here for the better part of the week, so I don't want to keep you any longer. But uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll come back on in the future and let us know how things are going. Absolutely, Mike. Um, after the anniversary, if, if you want, uh, feel free to give me a call and we'll set something up a little. It'll be a lot easier after the anniversary. And, uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk. And we don't always have to talk about of uh, about this we can we can shoot the shoot the shit about pool how about that <laughs> sounds great all right jared i wish you all the luck in the world next week with your event and hopefully things get a lot better out there yeah absolutely thanks a lot mike thank you so much all right thanks talk to you later okay bye-bye